0: Anne Lamott, one of um, my favorite authors, in one of her earliest books, tells the story of how she, a white woman, began worshiping at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church in Marin County, California. And it was an all-African-American congregation. When she started worshiping there, she was, as she describes it, broke, drunk, single, and pregnant. In her words, she writes that, She was at the end of her rope, and the people of St. Andrews tied a knot for her to grab onto. On the Sunday morning that she stood up in front of the congregation and announced that she was pregnant, she was surprised when they cheered for her. And then they began giving her things. Frozen casseroles for the freezer maternity clothes most importantly she says the assurance that this child would be part of the family and then they started giving her money the older women of the church who she describes as themselves living close to the bone on very small social security checks would uh, saddle up to her in worship and discreetly slip bills into her pockets Mary Williams, a woman in her 70s, was one of the regular contributors. She would sneak up to Lamont during worship and slip baggies of dimes into her pockets. Ann Lamont needed the money, and it took her a while to overcome the embarrassment of receiving, but she learned how to say thank you. What amazes her many years later, now that her financial situation has completely changed, she has more money than she needs, plenty for herself and her son. What amazes her is that Mary Williams still brings her baggies of dimes. Anne Lamont doesn't need the money. Mary Williams probably does. Anne Lamont's situation has changed. Mary's hasn't. Lamont says often she gives the dimes away on Sunday on her way home from church, but sometimes she just stacks them around her house as little reminders of the character of the church she has learned to call home and the character of God who she worships. Giving without an obvious end. Sell your possessions. Give to the poor. Not to fulfill a vision, to build a building, to save a soul. But for no obvious reason, except it's become your way of life because it's God's way of life. A little imitation of God. And that's the burden of knowing God. After reading Luke's gospel, you'll never be able to distinguish economic reality from God's kingdom. You just can't unknow it. And it is to be noticed that because Besides this economic reckoning, the other big theme that stands parallel to this is Luke's emphasis on communion. God is seeking to share everything God has with us. Luke's gospel is the most Eucharistic of all the gospels. He feeds the thousands not just once, but twice Luke has the entire recounting of the Last Supper in his gospel. After Jesus is raised from the dead, how do the disciples know who he is? They're there breaking bread. They are companions. The Latin word for sharing bread, come pan with bread. We are people who are sharing bread with the living God. God is seeking to share communion With us, sharing everything we have, all that we are, all that God is with us. This is the call in Luke. And those who are God's companions then live out in like manner that companionship with the world. That's the revelation in Luke's gospel today. God is sharing all of God's being with us and calling us to share all of our being with each other and with the world. Saints, I'm sorry to tell you, you just can't unknow that. And that knowledge will just wear on you. It will just take up residence in you like bread and wine and nag you into faithfulness when you're buying a new car. When you're buying a new couch, whenever you're doing anything economic, that knowledge takes up residence and it nags us into being the people that God's calling us to be, people who share until kingdom comes. It's one of the ways that God's tenacious grace makes us better than we would be if left to our own devices, pastorally, if I can share a struggle that I have, it's that I think we have ecclesially, pastorally, I I worry that we drop this knowledge on you, even if it's accidental. Like you come to worship and you hear this passage and it haunts you on the way out. I worry that we pour this knowledge on you, but we don't do a very good job at all of helping shape disciplines, of living faithfully in response to it. I worry about that. I mean, the early church took that much more seriously than we do. I mean, it took three years to become a Christian in the early church because we thought we had to deprogram you so that you can live faithfully with the knowledge that you've been shared. What, What it meant to be in communion with God, communion with each other, communion in the world. You had to be deprogrammed to understand how to live that out. Pastorally, I worry that part of the reason that people come to worship, stay for a while, and then fall away is that we've given them the burden of knowledge without the disciplines of grace to live alongside that. My invitation to you is to engage in a disciplining relationship here at the Kingstown Communion. Whether it's through a common table or pub theology or through opportunities to serve on Sunday or engage in mission or share faith with a friend, that's where the disciplines come alive. Where we learn how to live with this knowledge that just gets thrown on us on this beautiful Sunday in July. What do we do with it? We invest in relationships with each other and with the world until we learn how to live with the God who's met us and Jesus who makes us uncomfortable and who has given us knowledge, this burden we can't unknow. The kingdom of God is at hand. Here, now, in you, God has claims bigger and better on your life and on everything that's in your life than you could possibly imagine. That's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom and you can't unknow it. And those to whom that knowledge and even more has been given, much will be required as we become companions people who share our bread together with God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.